Hello and welcome to this episode of Feed, Play, Love and Helpline with our sleep, baby sleep expert, Joe Ryan. Joe has had decades of experience helping people get their babies to sleep or um, understanding their toddler's behaviour because not all small humans can talk to us and tell us what's going on. Hi, Joe. How are you? I'm very well, thanks. How are you? Good to see you. Uh, so if you'd like to ask Joe your question, now's your chance. So you can pop your question below the video if you're watching us live. If you're listening to the podcast, you can email us at helpline at theparentbrand.com.au. A few other things we have here on Facebook include our helpline group where you can post a question or you can direct mail us. So lots of ways to get in touch. And let's start with a question we have here from Fiona. She sent us an email. Uh, She says, my four-year-old has been a very good sleeper going down around 7 or 7.30 and waking up 6 or 6.30 a.m. However, the past few weeks, he's been waking at 5-ish to go to the toilet and wee. He calls out and I take him. I then make sure he goes back into bed and tell him he needs to stay in bed till mum comes to get him and to to at least rest till wake up time, which is around 6.15 a.m. I have tried reducing water intake before bed and always make sure he goes to the toilet before bed, even if it's just a small wee. I'm hoping this has not become a new habit and would love any ideas on how to break it. (laughs) Oh, wow. Well, (laughs) Hopefully it's not a new habit. I mean, I would say to you, just do all those things that you're already doing, like reduce the sort of drinking before bed, like, you know, after at about sort of four or five o'clock in the afternoon, you know, make sure he's not drinking loads and loads and loads of water, make sure he does a wee before bed. Um, You know, um, I guess, you know, you're doing all the right things, taking him back to bed, making sure he knows that it's not time to get up. I mean, some kids just go through kind of early morning wake periods too, you know, where they're just their brain's a little bit more alert, they're a bit more buzzy, and so they want to get up. Boys are kind of notorious for that, unfortunately. Um, I know that you guys have just moved to daylight saving, so sometimes that changes things up a bit as well. So um, hopefully with everything that you're doing, it will pass and he'll go back to sleeping, sleeping through. I mean... You know, he's obviously still four, so he's probably a little too young to get him up, get himself up to do it. He wants to make sure that you're around. But, you know, maybe just kind of encourage him to do most of it himself and put himself back to bed, you know, with you supervising. And then hopefully if it happens, he can learn to do that on his own as he gets a bit bigger. But, um, yeah, you're doing all the right things. I have no extra advice for you. I'm sorry. You know, (laughs) cross fingers and hopefully it will pass. Yeah, they can do strange things. I've noticed my children who are obviously older than four, not obviously, they're seven and nine though, they manage to uh, wake up at the crack of dawn on the weekends but not wake up as early during the week. And I was like, hmm, crazy. (laughs) Did you do that when you were a kid? Didn't you do that as well? I mean, that was the whole joy of, you know, sleeping in for school but... My Saturday and way too long ago. I'm too old now, though. It was too long ago. I remember, you know what my parents used to do, which is not what we do now. My parents didn't let us watch television at all during the week. And then on the weekend, we were allowed to watch our cartoons till 9 a.m. 
And then we were only allowed to watch telly, I think it was after 3 p.m. or 4 p.m. in the afternoon. So I probably did get up really early just so I could watch as much telly as I could get. Saturday morning, Saturday morning cartoons were, you know, the great, great fun. They were the best. They were the best. Okay. This question comes from Nicole. She sent a message to our Facebook inbox. She says, my bub is 10 weeks old and wears a love to dream swaddle. Last night I woke at 3.30 a.m. to find him sound asleep on his side. He then got onto his side, well, as much as possible with his arms in the bat wings. Again, during nap time today. Okay, so he did it at night and then he did it in during the day. He scrunches his legs up a lot and then rolls from side to side, which I think helps with colic tummy, tummy pain. But I haven't seen him sleep on his side like that before. When playing on the floor, he hasn't really attempted to roll either. Is he okay to transition to the arms out swaddle or is he still too young and I should wait a bit longer? Wow, 10 weeks is really young to be rolling, really young. Um, And, yeah, I'd be reluctant to take him out of a swaddle just because uh, his arms are still kind of not really under his own, you know, under his control. They're still kind of um, reflexing. So, Generally, so that might affect the way he sleeps because his arms will be a bit, you know, it'll be startling. And so it's probably best if you can to keep him in that love to dream. The good thing about the love to dream is if they do roll, their arms are in a position where they can kind of stabilise themselves and they can move a bit because they're not kind of swaddled really tightly, um, like if he was just in a kind of muslin wrap or something like that. So I think maybe you could try... Um, sort of putting a, a, a sheet or something light over him and tuck it in kind of really tightly so that, you know, just over his kind of mid-chest level so it's not up near his face. But that might help kind of keep him a bit more stable um, because he is very young to be rolling and you just don't want him to get sort of get stuck anywhere or up against anything, you know. So that's what I would try. But I would definitely keep him in the swaddle for the time being until he's got full, till he's grabbing at things. So that's around sort of four and a half-ish months. Yeah. So and what when would you normally expect a baby to roll if 10 weeks is super early, which sounds very early to me, but. It is super early. Um, look, some babies are, you know, um, very advanced, Nicole. Advanced. Yes, advanced. That's right. Very, very <laughs> advanced. Um, and so they start doing these things a little bit earlier. But generally they start rolling, you know, maybe, you know, I guess 12 weeks onwards, you know, sometimes. It's, it's about pulling their legs up, you know. So they pull their legs up and they move. And so what he might be doing is the momentum, if he's, if he's got a bit of tummy pain, pulling his knees up and then he's just kind of flopping over you know, which could could be what's happening. If he's not purposefully doing it, you know, like, you know, on the mat in the living room, you know, if you see them purposefully kind of going. Um, but, yeah, I, I'd probably just kind of try to keep him, you know, in that bag for, for a bit longer just because of his arms. His arms will affect the way he sleeps, yeah. That's startle. Okay, so this is a question from Carly from our Facebook Live. She says, my four-year-old has always been a great sleeper. We transitioned her from cot to mattress on the floor 
and she now makes her way into mum and dad's bed every night. How do I tackle this without being a tired zombie? It's obviously the easiest option to let her climb in and sleep with us. Please help. Yeah. Yeah, look, absolutely. I think the thing is that you just got to take her back. And I know that's really hard when you're exhausted. So you need to kind of plan it and just do it for a couple of nights. So starting on a Friday night is a really good time to do this sort of stuff because you've got the weekends, you've got a Friday night, a Saturday night. And by four, I would think that she would get this stuff pretty quickly. It's just about sort of taking that option of getting into bed with you off the table. So you've got to be really, really, really consistent. You know, if you kind of give in every now and then, she'll just keep doing it because on the hope that the, you know, there is the possibility that she might get into bed with mum and dad. So just keep taking her back, you know, popping her back in bed, going back, you know, just gently talking to her just very calmly. You know, you've got to go back to your own bed, sleep times, middle of the night, go back to your own bed and keep doing that for a couple of nights and things should change. Yeah. But yeah, you've got to be mentally ready for it, you know, um, and be prepared to stick it out for the night. Yeah. I was just listening to that going, I'd just let her come in and sleep with me. (laughs) I'm tired just thinking about it. Oh, they can be hard work bless their little socks. And, you know, it's great. You know, that's nice. But then they sleep with you and you, you never sleep deeply because you know they're there they're kicking you they're moving everyone oh yeah used to do it her kids used to follow around the house in the middle of the night she (laughs) wanted to get in the bed she'd get up she'd go to his bed he'd come back she'd get up go to the other bed you know it was all night the kind of (laughs) yeah nightmare this makes me tired i'm empathizing too much okay uh moving on to (laughs) anushka anushka says hi do you have any tips to share to help my 10-week-old baby enjoy bath time more. My baby girl simply hates every single minute of her bath time. She's happy right up until it's time to dip her in the water. Then the wailing begins and she cannot be calmed until she's fully dried, dressed and cuddled again. Sometimes I need to sit down and let her breastfeed to get her to calm down. It's so stressful. I'm also in tears by the end of it each time. Hubby finds it stressful too, but for me, I really get upset because her crying brings me to tears. I just can't help it. As a result, we are still only bathing her about once a week. She gets a clean up with a warm washcloth each day in between, but some days she's had such a poo explosion that a bath is necessary. We're very careful not to have the bath water too hot or cold. We warm the room with heat lamps for 15 minutes beforehand. We have a little bath seat that supports her weight and the baby bath sits on the bathroom bench. I keep water out of her eyes and off her face. What am I doing wrong? Um, Some babies just really hate the bath. They do tend to get used to it the more that you do it. But I would just be really conscious of the water temperature. I feel that sometimes warmer is better. Cold is, you know, like tepid is not great. I mean, who wants to get into a tepid bath, right? (laughs) I don't. I love my bath really hot. But I would, I would just be conscious that it's nice and warm, that it's very deep. And you could try in the kind of kitchen sink or the laundry tub or if you've got a bath that you can make really deep just so that you can sort of float her through it a bit so her legs and everything is just and just get her kind of used to it that way. Head on, uh, Water on her head is okay and, in fact, you know, obviously not running down her face, but just getting the washer and kind of squeezing the water over her head is a good idea. 
Um, keeping it and keeping it short, I think, if she's really distressed, you know, get in and out quickly. But just try and I find babies love that movement. If you can just kind of, you know, um, float her in it. So her legs are floating that she's not on the, you know, um, base of the cold base of the bath, you know, um, I'd give that a go and give it just every couple of days, just for like a couple of minutes, you know, not very long enough to just give her a quick wash through and out she comes and then straight onto a beautiful warm towel, wrap her up, give her a cuddle. I mean, you could also try getting in with her, you know, I mean, I know it's, it means that you've got to get in the bath, but you know, there's your shower bath for the day, you know, <laughs> get in with her and hold her and kind of, you know, play with her while you're in there. And that, that might also sort of help. The, her get used to it a bit yeah good luck this next question comes from lily she'd say i'd love to hear, she says i'd love to hear what feeding and sleeping routines you would recommend for my 12 week old baby boy he's starting to be more wakeful now and i'm having trouble getting him to settle in his cot now now that he's more aware of the world around him he often falls asleep during his feeds and i have to rouse him awake to pop him on the second breast where he nods back off again, but transferring him from there into his cot for a sleep just wakes him up every time. Then I have to sit next to him and rock, shush, pat him for half an hour in his cot to get him to settle again. His general general routine is bedtime at 6 p.m. with two overnight feeds around 10 and 10 p.m. and 3 a.m. Then he sleeps till around 6 or 7 a.m. and we start the day. His day feeds are still around three hourly, but some of those feeds are feeds are very small. He naps at around 9.30 a.m., 12 and 3 p.m. I'm not sure if I should change our feed sleep times. Should I be keeping him awake longer or cutting back the feeds at this age? Thanks for any advice. And apologies if you just heard that plane <laughs> that went overhead. No. <laughs> um, okay. So at 12, he's 12 weeks, right? Yes. Um, I think at 12 weeks, um, he should be only staying awake for an hour and a half at the most. So his awake time should be an hour and a half. And the first one of the day, only an hour. So I think what's happening is he might be up too long. So if he's awake at six or seven, he's going down at nine. That's a long time for a little baby to be awake. So he probably needs another nap thrown in in the day. So I would add a sort of fourth nap, so an early nap. With the feeding um, and that's probably why he's falling asleep on the boob as well, that he's a bit overtired. Um, and, look, feeding to sleep at this stage is not ideal anyway. You know, what we want to do is actually feed him and put him down awake and pat him to sleep. But if he's overtired, that's going to take a really long time and he's going to get quite distressed. So I would just cap his awake time as an hour the first one and then an hour and a half for the rest of the day. The one at before bedtime could be an hour and a half to two hours if you could push him out at that time. Um, feeding, yeah, every three to three and a half hours is great. Um, offering both sides is important, but putting him down awake or drowsy so that he knows he's in the bed and then patting him off to sleep in the cot is a really good way for him to start to learn to put himself to sleep or have a bit more sort of independent sleeping. That overtiredness point, I was just thinking, I know you mentioned it in, in many times when we're talking to people having problems with their babies sleeping. Mm. Um, and I know that at certain ages there are certain periods of time that babies 
accumulated are meant to sleep. So let's just say they say they need to sleep 16 hours. We're not talking 16 hours altogether, I mean, in one go, but separate. How important no. is it? For, <laughs> how important is it for parents just to have a sense of that? I know all babies are different, but I know that sometimes you'll talk to a parent and they'll say, oh, my baby just doesn't need that much sleep. And maybe there's a difference in a couple of hours, but if your baby's, you know, sleeping eight hours when they're meant to be sleeping 16, then that's that's going to be a problem with overtiredness and getting them to sleep, isn't it? Absolutely. And the thing with babies is they're incredibly adaptable. So they start to cope. Like if they're if they are chronically overtired and they're only sleeping eight hours and they're supposed to be 16, they kind of start to look like they're okay. But in fact, they're in this kind of state of perpetual overtiredness. But the way that that manifests itself is, is that it is they don't sleep well during the day, so they catnap a bit more, they're trickier to go off to sleep, they're falling asleep all the time when you're feeding them, you know, um, and they're tending to do this kind of napping, snacking, napping, snacking thing during the day. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I always say I wish parents were told before they or given just a one-pager when they leave the hospital or after they've had a baby to say, Here's how long your baby should be awake for for the next 12 months, you know. So newborns, one hour, you know, sometimes 45 minutes, you know, then it sort of increases as they get older, you know, but no one is really told that. And so mm-hmm. if you haven't had any experience with babies before you've had your own, you think they're going to work like we do, which is, oh, you get tired, you go to sleep. But in fact, the opposite occurs. The more tired they are, the less they sleep, you know. Yeah. So you've got to always err on the side of, being less tired, you get a better sleep because if you think about their brains, are, there's a lot going on. There's a lot of activity, a lot of stimulation going on. So they get very tired very quickly, whereas our brains are done with kind of, you know, <laughs> it is kind of degenerating now, whereas theirs are growing, you know, and learning, um, you know, new skills and neural pathways are forming. And so that's exhausting. So they need their sleep. They need sleep is the most important thing that babies and young children and all children really mm. need. And even those of us with degenerating brains. <laughs> it's really important for well, us. Well, I need more sleep. We need more sleep as we get older because our <laughs> brains need to yeah. rest. Mm. Yeah, and we don't have someone patting our backs and shushing us, but still we manage it. <laughs> well done, That's us. Right, because hopefully we learn as babies, you know, and some of us didn't. But, you know, I guess it, it is sleep is very much a learnt behaviour. I mean, obviously, as adults, we have other uh, external factors like stress, you know, um, you know, anxiety, all those things that we have in our day-to-day lives that affect the way we sleep. But setting up good sleep patterns or good sleep hygiene, as they like to call it, these when they're little is a really important thing. You know, having a good sleep routine is important for kids. It really sets them up. Yeah. And it helps it helps give them the signals, doesn't it? Like it's giving them the signals that this is what's happening now and we're going mm. to sleep. Um and just quickly with that, um uh Lily Lily's boy is 12 weeks old and that's about three months. So when would you start implementing that kind of sleep routine before bed? Well- I think there's it, there's no, you know, it's never too early to start to, you know, sleep your baby in their bed or put them down awake. Like don't be afraid of putting a young baby down awake. If they're 
fed and burped and ready for bed and they've been up the prescripted amount of time and they're ready for bed, you can put them down awake and see what happens, you know. But um, it, it is after 12 weeks that babies can actually learn to put themselves to sleep, like they have the brain development to be able to do that. So prior to that, you know, every now and then you might put them down awake and they might go to sleep or, you know, but, you know, if you get one or two good sleeps a day or, you know, sleeps where you don't have to assist and that's brilliant. But as they get over three months and older, you can start to really show them or teach them how to sort of sleep in their bed more, you know, with assistance obviously from you to start with. Um, but that just really affects their sleep in a positive way because they're not reliant upon the boob rocking, you know, driving around in the car, pushing in the pram, whatever it might be, you know, because unfortunately those associations become really cemented the older they get and then they're really dependent upon it. And then as their sleep cycles become more defined, they wake more frequently every time they come into a lighter phase of their sleep cycle because their eyes naturally flick open, they move and they're like, oh, hang on, where am I? You know, why, why am I not in mum's arms? Why am I not in the pram? Why am, you know, why am I in the cot? You know, and they wake right up. And so if they fall asleep in their bed as independently as they possibly can, it really helps them sleep longer and, yeah, everything mm. is better. Yeah. <laughs> this uh, next question comes from Mishka. Mishka says, hi, ladies, I need some help with my three-year-old's fussy eating. He used to love everything I put in front of him, except that he's never liked strawberries. Anything else he would devour with gusto. But for the past six months, he has been steadily refusing more and more foods to the point where he has tantrums at mealtimes almost every day. I don't make him a different meal when he's, this happens, but if he doesn't eat his lunch or dinner, he then begs for snacks for the rest of the day or night. He's obviously hungry after he's barely eaten two bites, so I often cave in with a healthy snack an hour or two later. But I'm sure this is just making the matter worse and reinforcing his picky habits. I'm not sure what to do. Surely I can't let him remain very hungry all night long after he's refused his dinner. I'm aware that fussy eating is quite common at this age. However, I'm just stumped on how to handle it. I'd love any tips or advice you might have. Thank you. Well, yeah, it is really common and it's really frustrating. Um, I think it's important. Obviously, you can't starve him, so you need to feed him. So snacks are actually a good way to kind of combat the fussy eating, but don't overfeed them at snack time, you know, so that he's not going to be hungry. Make sure they're separate enough or, you know, um, you know, there's enough time between the snack and the meal, like dinner time, so that he is going to be hungry. Um, always present the food that you want to serve on the plate and, and ask him to at least sniff it and touch it and maybe taste it, but perhaps also have something that he you know he likes so that he can eat, he will eat it so that he's going to, you know, eat something he's not going to be hungry. Um, I think it's, it is a trying period of their life, but they do come through it. But it's important to not just... Uh, just not show, you know, give them the option of what you're cooking or the healthy food or the vegetable that they don't want. It should still be on the plate. They should see it. It should be a part of the routine. And, you know, you set a bit of a time as well because sometimes dinner times can drag on and on and on and it gets, you know, if they're bored or they're tired, it's going to be difficult, you know. So 
um, keep it to half an hour, you know, uh, so that it doesn't drag on. But, yeah, I mean, I think giving them snacks will help, but make sure they're healthy snacks. And sometimes smoothies or those kind of things can also help fill them up when they're not really eating a lot of food. But it, it does pass, doesn't it, Shiv? Yeah, eventually. <laughs> I've got to say, my kids are still... They don't eat everything, but it, it it definitely now looking back, it was a definite phase of their life when it was harder than most. And, and it's just so interesting with children, just one, it'll be from one day to the next. It's like a light switch, like you'll be battling and battling for what feels like years. And then the next day, they're eating all the food and you're like... Why were you so hard before? (laughs) But it is a relief to know that they grow out of it. They do. They absolutely do. But like I say, just, you know, don't beat yourself up about it. Do what you can. Keep the routine of sitting down. But add the snacks because that will help. Absolutely. Mm. Our our next question comes from Stella. She says, my nine-month-old, oh, here we go, it's another one about food, is waking around 11 p.m. each night for comfort and he seems to be hungry but doesn't take a good feed. He sucks on the arm of what whichever parent picks him up, so we offer him a bottle. But he only takes a few sips and falls back to sleep. Then he wakes again every hour or so and does the same thing, just a small snack and back to sleep. He's doing this up to four or five times every night. He's predominantly bottle fed I've been slowly weaning him for the, from the breast for the past two months or so as I'm due to go back to work in February the only breastfeeds is it is at bedtime it's three solid meals a day plus three 200 mil bottles prior to each sleep at 9 30 a.m 2 30 p.m and 7 p.m for bedtime he rarely finishes any of the bottles drinking on average about 80 to 120 mils at bedtime, he'll get in a few hours of sleep, but at around 11 p.m., this night waking begins. Is he really hungry, making up for the day's shortfall, or is this a comfort thing? We're hesitant to introduce a dummy at this late stage, but would you recommend trying one? Should we tweak the amount of food and bottles he has through the daytime and just wean him off night feeds altogether? We're not sure what to do. So he has three solid meals a day plus three 200 mil bottles. Yeah, look, that sounds pretty good to me. I think for a nine-month-old, that would be good. Um, I would just know, like, make sure you keep the milk and the food, like I said previously, like at least an hour between milk and food. So if you're giving them milk before bed, make sure he's not too tired so that he's, you know, falling asleep on it. I mean, he shouldn't need night feeds really at nine months. Um, If he's kind of about eight kilos or more, I would think he's probably okay to go all night. If anything, I would be giving him a feed at like, you know, he might be hung around 4, 4.30 in the morning. So you could potentially give him another feed then. Um, I think the waking and the sucking is probably just comfort. So I would not offer the bottle and just pat him back to sleep. Uh, I would not offer him a dummy at this age. I just... Let's just skip the dummy. Uh, We don't want to introduce anything extra. You know, the less is more principle applies when it comes to sleep and sleep associations. Um, I think just check that the teeth that he's drinking from is fast because at nine months they just want to get it in quickly. Um, And if it's a slower teeth, a medium teeth rather or a small flow teeth, 
he will, he'll get bored and after about 80 or 90 meals, he'll go, I'm done. So make sure it's really fast. Um, but yeah, I mean, he should still be, you know, he should still get about three 200 mil bottles a day. That's what he would need, I would think. Um, as long as he's not kind of, you know, eating huge amounts of food, which I imagine he's not. But like I say, just be conscious that there's enough space between food and milk, uh, that it's a fast-flowing teat, and I would, yeah, not offer him the bottle overnight and hopefully things will improve. Wow, look at the time. We have run out of it. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Joe, for all of that wonderful advice. Thank you for um, answering all those questions. Um, and just before we go, I do want to let everyone know about uh, the fabulous online bump and baby event that we have going on at the moment. It focuses on the fourth trimester. And what we're really talking about is the bit after you give birth, which is what a lot of people are uh, curious about when they jump on helpline and ask those questions and next uh, on wednesday at 8 15 p.m we'll be speaking with jen muir so make sure you tune in for that there's a chance to win a 500 nursery gift voucher just go to events the events chat tab i can't speak anymore the events tab at babyology.com.au joe thank you again and we'll see you again soon Feed, Play, Love is a babyology podcast produced and presented by me, Siobhan Hunt. I'd love to hear from you. So if you'd like to get in touch, email me at feedplaylove at theparentbrand.com.au. See you next time.